money and the life will never show you no pity. Oh, I work hard trying to make my bones. But times have changed and I just got to move. Can't run away, can't run away, can't run. Good evening, and welcome to Meet the Author. My name is Denny Griffin, and for the next half hour, we're going to be talking with author John D'Amore. And before I introduce John, let me tell you a little bit about his background. John is from Union City, New Jersey originally, and was raised in a middle-class Italian family. During his youth, he studied guitar, leading him to hone his love and knowledge of music. In his mid-twenties, John was traveling cross-country as a successful musician, bringing pleasure to the masses. While touring during the 1970s, he began writing, most notably for New Jersey's third-largest newspaper, the Passaic Herald News. In 1985, John found a different side of life and joined the corporate world, becoming an executive in a world he never thought he'd enter. He succeeded because of his drive to help those less fortunate than himself. By 1999, another change took place when John relocated to Los Angeles and wrote the manuscript that would achieve him success in 2012, The Boss Always Sits in the Back, a novel based on a true story. Since then, John's writing has earned him two proclamations, naming May 23rd and 24th John D'Amore Day in Secaucus and Union City, New Jersey the town and city he spent the first 22 years of his life, along with the Union City's coveted, excuse me, coveted Artist Award and several congressional, senatorial, and municipal awards. In 2014, after countless interviews and appearances at readings, radio, and TV shows, John felt the need to make his story within the boss to be the factual and thoroughly true story it was always meant to be. John, welcome to Meet the Author. Thank you very much, Dennis. It's wonderful talking to you again, and I certainly hope you recorded that because I don't think I've ever had a better introduction. <laughs> well, it is recorded. It certainly is. <laughs> uh, uh, John, let's uh, let's start off here for uh, for people not familiar with your book. Why don't you give us a little background on your book and what it's all about? Okay. Uh, well, as you can hear, I. Uh, I come from New Jersey, and uh, in Hudson County, New Jersey specifically, which is right across the Hudson River from Manhattan. And uh, so, as uh, Denny pointed out, I grew up in an Italian family. And uh, back in the in the 50s and 60s, uh, in that era and in that area, it wasn't too difficult to find Italian families who were somehow. Uh, or knew somebody who was connected in some fashion with, uh, you know, uh, another side of life, another culture of life, let's just say. And uh, and so I had some people in my family who were uh, in that position, and I didn't choose to go that way for a handful of reasons, but it was primarily because, like, like you said, Denny, I became a musician, and that was really what I wanted to do. But on my 22nd birthday, uh, my godfather, who was also my cousin, uh, 
invited me to Las Vegas for my birthday, and that's why I thought I was going. And uh, within about 12 hours, I was involved uh, unknowingly in one of the greatest scams that ever hit Las Vegas. Uh, and, uh, and then for the next two years, uh, I was witness to a lot of these things that were going on. So uh, as per Jerry's request, uh, I waited until all of the primary players that he uh, told me about were gone, including himself. And then I started writing the manuscript for this book, and uh, and that's uh, pretty much what the story is about. Plus, after uh, you know, after the Vegas scam uh, gets found out a couple of years later, it changes laws in all across America, which at the time America didn't have uh, any casinos, though. Uh, the law had just been passed for Atlantic City, uh, so only Nevada and Atlantic City, New Jersey, were uh, were susceptible to this at the time. But it did change uh, uh, the way gambling and credit lines uh, were achieved uh, after that. Oh, let's just say that. And then the book goes on to uh, detail the demise of uh, the, the the mob in northern New Jersey over the next 20 years. How's that, Danny? And that, that's that's great. And, uh, so you started the manuscript in 99, but because you had to wait until certain people were deceased, it was, wasn't until 2012. See, that was quite a wait. <laughs> Compliment well, you on your patience. actually, actually uh, the last person did die in 1999. It took that long uh, to get the book published. Let's put it that way. Okay. That's how long. You know, and, uh, and obviously, you know, you know, you know how that could go. How, you know how that could yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh you then just recently, uh, you, you made a revision to the original version. You want to tell us about that? Um, yeah. Originally, it was put out as a novel based on a true story. Uh, and uh, it did very well. You know, uh, you were there. You saw that. But uh, but then after, after a couple of years, uh, legal and professional heads prevailed on this and uh and my uh, the agent that I was signed with uh, said we'd have a better chance of getting this uh, sold uh to a major publishing company and uh could help the potential for movie rights if it was literally a memoir instead of uh, a novel based on a true story so uh making the necessary changes that needed to be made, which weren't many, to be honest with all of you. Uh, it is now an official, it's a memoir. And, uh, and so we just put it out. And uh, fortunately, the boss is the kind of story that uh, refuses to die, fortunately. And uh, people love, uh, they, people across America have a romantic fascination with the mob, and uh, I hope it never ends. Uh, even though the mob is pretty much at an end, I hope the, the public's fascination with it never does. Well, it's certainly been uh, been a great 
the subject to write about for years, that's for sure, in the TV and the documentaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a real powerful, uh, real powerful subject. Uh, now, you have uh, something coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks out in California, am I correct, an event? Yes, I do. Oddly enough, uh, because of the uh, publicity and the popularity of the book, uh, I haven't been back to Los Angeles for about three years, and I lived there uh, from 1999 uh, until three years ago. And uh, when the original version of the book was released, I had the very first uh, reading and gathering for it, uh, in a place that uh, held 75 people and 97 showed up, uh, and and so that was fantastic. But I have but I haven't been back to LA in all these years, and I have a lot of new friends, and and the boss has a lot of new fans uh, that wanted to uh, that wanted to see a reading. So I made arrangements with a club in. Uh, in Burbank called Flappers, and uh, I'll be there on Saturday, and this is obviously for your friends in the, in the Southern California area. I'll be at Flappers Comedy Club, which is at 102 East Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank. <clears throat> the zip is 91502. The number is 818-845-9721. Uh, the reading will start at noon. Uh, you get there as close to noon as you can. Uh, I'll, I'll do about a half hour of a couple of chapters. We do some great questions and answers. Uh, plus, uh, and of course, I'll have books there if people want to buy a copy, and I'll be signing them. But it's being emceed by Chris Carter, who is... Uh, uh, KLOS's host on Breakfast with the Beatles, which, as you know, I'm a major Beatles fan. And uh, so he's going to be emceeing the entire event. And uh, and that's it. Oh, oh, and here's the great thing. Uh, there's free parking. There's And that's, in L.A., that's a great thing, you know. So, so uh, there's free parking. Uh, there is a two-item minimum. But, hey, if you just want some club soda... Have a couple of club sodas. I just would be happy to see your face in the place. Okay, great. And that sounds like it's going to be a good time. Uh, John, oh, I, yeah, I well, that's like... just it. Yeah, it, it is going to be a great time. Uh, the, the, uh, the list of people who are coming are an amazing uh, array of my L.A. and Hollywood friends uh, that I made in all those years. Now, what I'd like to do, John, I got a, uh, I made out a list of questions uh, that Uh-oh. I thought about when when we scheduled you for the show, um, and they're in no particular order. I'm just going to ask them to you randomly, uh, some about the book and a lot about you know marketing and publishing and so forth. Is that okay? Knock yourself out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first of all, about the book. Uh, what inspired you to to come up with the title? The boss always sits in the back. Uh, it, it was more of a uh, of a quote uh, that I had heard uh, than an inspiration. But when I heard the uh, the quote, I knew that when I would eventually write this book, because I knew I was going to write this story about the Vegas scam, 
1975, I knew that it was a great story and that it needed to be told, but I had to wait until, like I said, these three guys were gone. Uh, and then, and then being close to these guys from uh, 1975 up until the early 90s, uh, so much more happened that I kept in that memory log uh, to know that when the book was going to be written, these certain things needed to be told. And one of them was uh, when I heard on a tape recording uh, from the boss uh, when he said to an FBI, an, an undercover FBI agent who asked the boss if he wanted to get in the front seat of a Cadillac, and the boss says, no, the boss always sits in the back. And when I heard that, uh, I knew that this had to be the name of that book that I would eventually write some uh, 25 years later when I started it. <laughs> yeah, 24 years later. Okay, now so that's uh, that's uh, that's how I came up with that's how I came up with the uh, uh, the, the name. Uh, and of course, uh, if anybody uh, you read the book or if you've read the book, you know that it was when I heard that tape recording that it just knocked me out. So, well, it's a great title. Yeah, it and is. it's a great book. They I say it's too, it myself. They, <clears throat> they say it's too long for a movie marquee. You know, too bad. <laughs> Now, John, who would you consider to be uh, the target audience, or uh, we could say your ideal reader? Who do you envision reading the book? Uh, you know, uh, it, it really comes down to uh, to demographics of who's reading it in printed version, who's reading it in e-versions, and 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 then there's even a percentage of the population who's getting it on, uh, you know, an audio book. But uh, the, the large population of this book that I could see from readings and, uh, and people who buy it from, uh, from the boss website uh, are, interestingly enough, even though many, many, many men read the book, the majority uh, buyers of this book, since it first came out, are women from uh, 25 to uh, 68 is uh, the demographic that are actually buying the majority of the printed books. Uh, the e-books, I couldn't tell you, you know, and the books that get sold on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, I couldn't tell you, uh, or in the bookstores. I can only tell you from the readings and uh, and from people who buy them uh, from the website, and it's just wonderful when I when I did the readings or when I'm going to do a reading, and just the people that come out, uh, it's a blast. Well, you know, you've done a, a lot of uh, you know readings and appearances, and and you say that based on the stats from the website, from the boss website, women are uh, are. Our buyers, and I assume you also had a lot of women attend your events. <laughs> uh, no, it's. I'll absolutely tell you that it's probably a little bit more men. They'll come out to hear the mob stuff, but women uh -huh. read books. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Women read books. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. guys, uh, they love to hear it. Uh, a lot of them buy it, but the majority just love to be. Uh, as you saw out in MobCon, 
You know, the, there's people who just love to come out and be in that environment. Right. And uh, and yeah. I have found that a lot uh, in in in, uh, in the three years I've been doing this. Now you mentioned the boss website. Do you want to give the give the listeners the link? There you go. The longest name in the world. The boss always sits in the back dot com. You can go to that and you could read about uh, what the boss is about, the synopsis for it. You can read about what's going on with the book and the screenplay. Uh, I'm sure there's a bio page on me. And then if you'd like to buy a uh, copy of the boss, there's a link right there that you can use any credit card or your PayPal account. How's that for a plug? That is good. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to, John, for for a few minutes, switch to to publishing. I, uh, as you were aware, I, I also do some writing, and the public the publishing business, if you will, is 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 something uh, uh, that. It, it's I'm still learning about it and I've been at it now for twenty years. <laughs> so there's there's a lot more to it than, than non writers might think. There's a lot more right. to the writing business. Uh, now after you finish the manuscript, I'm talking about the original, uh the original boss always sits in the back. Uh, obviously your next step was to publish. You only needed to get it out there. So can you tell me uh and tell the listeners about what that process was like for you, you know, what you how you wanted to do it, how you did do it, and so on and so forth. Right. Well, uh, if, if I guess the best thing, to, the, the best way to explain it is, after I knew the book was ready, uh, you know, was edited to the best of the ability, uh, best of my ability, and the ability of the editors that I contracted to do the work on it. And uh, I had found the best book formatter uh, for print and e-versions of the book. Uh, I had to put the book aside. Oh, and I also had, uh, we had determined uh, the artwork for the cover, the back cover, and the spine. And uh, so once all that was, I felt secure with it, I had to put it away. And... uh, and then become uh, someone knowledgeable in the publishing business. You, you know, you you have to absolutely make sure your copyright is up to date. You have to uh, be ready to warehouse. You have to find a printer that you're happy with. Because in my case, uh, for the for the uh, original version of the book, you know, it has those uh, twelve glossy pages in there, and and the hardcover has that dust jacket. So you have to find a really good printer that some a place that you can absolutely feel confident with. And because I was living in L.A. at the time. I found a place that was probably all of about 25 miles away from me, uh, and they were fantastic. Uh, and and so, but you have to you have to learn all of this. Plus, you then have to start before your book's even ready and and in your hands. You have to become a publicity machine because you don't want to be sitting there with the books in your hand and you not be able to go do a reading or or anything for two or three months because that's how long these things need to be set up. So I had to take six months and put it aside 
and do all of these things before I could actually get the book out to people. And I had to learn that business and become the warehouse for uh, the first major printing of the book and, uh, and the distributor <laughs> and, the, the, and the publicist. And then I actually had to get out there and do the and do it and and which uh, obviously was my favorite part to do, but uh, it's it's not as simple. If you really want to write a book and get it out there, you have to get it out there, uh, especially if you're going to self-publish your book. I hope I answered that. Yes, and it, it uh, raised a very important issue, I think, to. To any writers or aspiring writers that that listen to the to the show, is uh, your job isn't finished when the manuscript is done. It's it's really only started. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, do you agree with me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and yeah, as you no- know, your your manuscript is never really done until it goes to the printer. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, so you've self-published, and as you know, obviously you, you have to get it out there. You have to do all the things you mentioned to for the success of the book once it is printed and, and hits the market. Um, if you were going to advise a new writer or uh, somebody think about thinking about writing a book, um would would you suggest to them that they uh, do anything in conjunction with writing the manuscript? In other words, while the manuscript is in progress, would it be a good idea to, to maybe do a little research on publishing options and that type of thing? Absolutely. Abs- you see, I never intended to self-publish my book. Uh, I had been I had been prodded by a couple of very close. Uh, uh, friends who are well-known actors in Hollywood that I should get the book out. And I was very reluctant uh, because I felt that a major publishing company was going to come along. And, uh, you know, those, those things didn't happen. And I wasted time. Uh, I should have done that maybe a while ago. But I had the manuscript, and then I needed to learn uh, the publishing in, or the self-publishing industry uh, as soon as possible. And that's what I did. But, yes, if somebody is going to write a book and they're dedicated enough to make sure that it is of the best possible quality, while they're writing it, they should be looking into all the things that need to be done regarding self-publishing and marketing, uh, sales, contacting bookstores, Independent bookstores are happy to do business with uh, self-published writers as long as the quality of the book is right up there with something that they would get from uh, Random House. And, And if you can give them a good product, they will be happy to do business with you, and you don't have to cater to the major bookstores. Yeah, you know, um, with your background, I mean, you were in the you know the music business and so on, so you were used to being in front of audiences mm-hmm. and being around people and crowds. Uh, 
Now, I, I don't know, and I'd like your opinion on this. My my experience is is that when it comes to the promotion end of of, of your book, doing the promotion work, um, it would be very difficult, or I should say more difficult for a person who is, let's say, shy or is not used to speaking in front of people or appearing in front of people or has some kind of a phobia or, or fear about, you know, in the center of attention uh, because you 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 probably you know depending on your connections you might be able to get some radio interviews where you can do it by phone or just go in the studio and, and you don't really have any you don't have to look your audience in the face but right. uh, I think there comes a time if you're really going to be successful you have to get out there and meet the people do you agree with that oh 100% I uh when I was in LA and uh, and needed to get to uh, New Jersey because there was a whole uh, a, a whole bunch of readings set up all over the place uh, in New Jersey and New York and Connecticut uh, that as I drove across the country again knowing I was going to do this six to eight weeks prior to doing it uh, you you need to schedule uh, you need to contact places and people who are willing to interview you. I mean, I did TV shows in, in Phoenix and uh, Oklahoma. I mean, who, who cares about an Italian kid from Jersey who just self-published a book? Well, these little TV shows that are CBS and NBC and ABC affiliates, they love it. And I drove every time, uh, you know, in, uh, I planned my stops across the country and then made my way to New Jersey and, and – uh, was on uh, a bunch of New York uh, radio shows and and uh, then wound up doing a tour down in uh, Florida. And, and who would have thought that there was an abundant amount, uh, a huge amount of, uh, of Italians from Hudson and Bergen County, New Jersey, who relocated down to Florida? Uh, <laughs> who would have imagined? And, uh, and so I went down to Florida and did an entire uh, tour of the East Coast, cut across, and then came up the West Coast, and it was a blast. Now, you said, John, you have an audio book? Uh, yes, I do. It's, you know, on audible.com and... Uh, uh, I, I am the person who actually will read to you for about 11 hours and 40 minutes. Uh, and, and that was a lot of fun doing that too. Was it, uh, was it tough? Uh, did you have to do a lot of retakes or edits or did you, did you uh, get to it? Well, yeah, okay. I, uh, the, the person who produced it, uh, is a talk radio show, uh, host, uh, in, in central New Jersey and so, of course, I would go to the radio station where they had the recording facility there. And uh, we did it over uh, one day a week over the course of four weeks. And, uh, <laughs> and you have to read your story uh, with emotion, of course. And, and uh, there would be times when I would uh, make a mistake. Now, fortunately, I've been doing so many readings over the last, say, year and a half or so, that I really had it down. But from time to time, I would make a mistake. And he would notice, because he had to sit and edit the whole thing, but he would notice uh, 
when I'd make a mistake early on, 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.20 in the morning, and I'd go, oh, listen, man, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, let's take that paragraph over again. And, uh, you know, okay. and that was fine. And then somewhere around 10.30, 10.45, I'd make a mistake, and I would start with my minor cursing. Uh, and then by about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I would hit a mistake, and I would be full-blown you know, I, I don't know what your deal is here on your radio show, but I'm certainly not going to do it. But I would be swearing, <laughs> and, and he would be in, in the uh, control booth cracking up. And so he apparently uh, has an outtake reel that he says he's going to um, uh, blackmail me with someday uh, because oh, it's, nothing but, it's nothing but me uh, reading my book and then cursing uh, uh, to the nth degree. But anyway, so, yes, there's an audio book, uh, folks, and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, we're running out of time quickly. We've gone to our last under a minute. Um, I'd like two things. I'd like to, first of all, if someone wanted to get an autographed copy of your book, how can they do that if, if they can't make it to the event in person? If you can't make it to the event and you want an autographed copy of the book, simply go to www.thebossalwayssitsintheback.com. There's a, there's a page on the website called Buy the Book. Just go there, your PayPal account or any credit card, and the book will be signed to you and in your hands within about a week or so. Okay, and last thing, just to give us the details one more time on your event on November 7th. Oh, that's very kind of you. Yes, I will be on November 7th at noon. I will be at Flappers at 102 East Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank, California, 91502, for those of you with a GPS. And uh, it will start at noon. I will do a reading of a couple of chapters. Trust me, folks, it's always a lot of fun when I do these chapters. Uh, it'll put you right on the edge of your seat. And I'm looking forward to all of your questions afterwards. And it'd be great to meet you. And there you go. Thank you very, very much, Dennis. Okay, John, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And listen, best of luck in, uh, at your reading in California. Thank you. It's been a slice. Okay, thank you. Good night now. Good night, everyone. Tune back in for the next edition or meet the author. Thanks and stay safe.